Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the On The Record Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Watley. This week, my guest is Daniel Guerrero. He's a writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch covering the Cardinals minor league system. We discuss advice on getting into journalism, how our past jobs helped us get to where we are today, what it's like to be a full-time baseball writer, plus our predictions for the 2022 MLB postseason. Check out our conversation right after this. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Devin. Happy to be here. Uh, I feel like I've been using that term a lot, you know, that saying happy to be here a lot lately. But I mean, yeah, it's cool to see you. Cool to hear you. Um, looking forward to catching up and just having a chat. I mean, it feels like we haven't talked in a while. Yeah, yeah, I know it has been a while. Um, for the listeners who don't know that Daniel and I, we used to work together at the Daily Asset because we both went to San Diego State. And now... Um, he's doing big things up in St. Louis, you know, covering the, I wouldn't say big. I mean, you're covering the minor league team. You're you're covering the minor league team in St. Louis, you know, and and the Cardinals just, you know, they're in the playoffs and you were, you were there at the last, at the last game of the season, obviously big things, exciting things. We'll get to that in a second, but first I wanted to talk about your career and just like, you know, how you got to where you are, because I mean, you know, before COVID we were, we were all doing very different things. I mean, before you were at the DA and even, you know, before that you had, you know, this internship at NBC seven, you were mm-hmm. going before that, let's even start earlier. You know, you were at 410 college, you were a sports editor, you're doing a lot of big things there. Um, you know, looking back at your career so far, you know, with all these trips that you've had at all these different places, what job do you feel like kind of helped you out the most to prepare you to get to where you're at now? You feel like, well, I mean, it's weird. So I I know, like you said, I mean, it's felt like a while since 2020, I think just because everybody was kind of lost and confused um, for the most part. I mean, it's normal. I mean, it's a pandemic. I mean, there's a lot going on. So, I mean, I'm fortunate to have, uh, had some opportunities post-grad. Um, but when it comes to the things, I guess that helped prepare me for the post-grad life, it's, it's definitely the daily Aztec. I mean, being a part of that. Um, and then like you even mentioned, I mean, that was kind of a deep cover going back to Fullerton college. I mean, that's kind of where, um, not kind of, that's really where I started getting involved in student media, um, for the Hornet, which is a student newspaper there. Um, but the daily Aztec, I think, was the, the biggest thing that helped me uh, kind of get prepared for the post-grad life. And I mean, it's kind of weird because like I try to prepare the best, but even now, you know, after graduation, it's like, there's still a lot of things that you feel lost and confused on just because you can prepare as much as you can, but nothing is like real life. But I mean, at least the daily Aztec was kind of like a simulation of that. It gave me a lot of chances to practice, a lot of chances to, try different things. Um, and obviously you meet a bunch of great people. Um, everybody in that newsroom, uh, everybody that, um, you know, we got to work with, who I consider a lot of friends. I mean, some people, my closest friends, um, I mean, that, that was really the, the, probably the biggest thing for me just because it gave me the chance to just write about whatever and cover whatever on campus or in sports. So that, that's definitely the biggest part. Yeah. I mean, and I would agree to that because it's like, I feel like, 
a lot of, especially young journalists that are in college, right? I mean, they're kind of, you're kind of like looking for opportunity and it's almost hard to find it in some places because, you know, some schools may not have a school newspaper or some, you know, jobs may not be willing to get open to college, you're the college students and you have interns and stuff like that. And so I feel like at least for me, the DA was kind of like a good stepping stone. And it was also kind of funny too, in the same sense, because it was like, it brought together all these people that necessarily you wouldn't think that way would all meet together outside of school or in, in some other sort of mm -hmm. fashion. But we all kind of had like our own camaraderie in a sense. Would you say that? Oh, definitely. Um, and I think you can even look, look at that on, on like a section by section basis. Um, I felt like we were really close within the sports section. Um, I mean, to this day, I mean, we have our fantasy football league that still survives and still is going on. I hope, you know, we continue that for, for as long as we can. Um, but I mean, yeah, we definitely had that camaraderie. Um, we definitely had that. Cause I mean, I, I feel like being on the school paper there kind of, like you said, brought us, brought together a bunch of people who might not have ever crossed, crossed, crossed paths. I mean, and it's true just because, you know, we have different interests. Some of us were, weren't even journalism majors. Some people were political science majors or Spanish majors or, or what have you. But but yeah, I mean, we definitely benefited from each other and learned from each other. I think we did push each other to be better. I think that we saw that a lot in the sports section uh, in 29, fall 2019 um, because we started doing new things. I mean, we had never done on-camera stand-ups and Aaron pushed for that. We had never really kind of had a, as big of a social media presence. And there were a lot of people who, you know, kind of made that one of the things that they really wanted to do, like Amber, I mean, who's, you know, now uh, in Iowa, you know, an on-air reporter who, same thing, she knew what she wanted to do and she got to practice that at the DA. And there were a lot of people that in, in the same situation that they had an idea of what they wanted to do post-grad and um, they made it their goal to get as much reps in the DA as they can to help kind of forge a path moving forward. And that, and I mean, like you said, I mean, we kind of took a lot of pride in, in uh, trying to win the best section. I know we we're, we felt snubbed in uh, <laughs> spring 2020, which is funny because yes. I, I felt like I, I, I won both ways just because I also wrote for news. So, yeah. So you guys didn't three peat. I technically four peated. So yeah. if you go back to, to fall 2018, um, probably I'm kind of like the Steve Kerr of best yeah. Section awards. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't play a huge role, but I, I was on the team like the AC game yeah. the Lakers. I mean, you, you kind of forget how many rings that guy has, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, so it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, and I, I just felt it's one of those moments that I know people kind of look back on as like, Oh, I mean the college days. And I mean, the, the, yeah. I, I just had a lot of fun. I mean, and being a part of the newspaper was a, meant a lot to me. Um, the friends I made there meant a lot to me. And like I said, we still keep in touch. So, and we still kind of, you know, push each other now, I guess. I mean, when we talk about some of the things that we're doing. Yeah, certainly no doubt about it. And I feel like we always talk about like th that, that sort of that bond that kind of holds us all together. I think it's kind of a testament to how, like, even with COVID, right, we were kind of facing all these different challenges where it was sort of a struggle to try and not a struggle, but I would necessarily, I would say that like our reporting kind of changed in a sense, right? Because we couldn't, you know, fans weren't at the games. We couldn't necessarily do the things that we were able to do before because of COVID restrictions and things like that. With all the jobs that you've had now and looking back, right? I mean, you, you wanted to, have you always wanted to do baseball and be a baseball reporter? Like since you were, you know, since you started or what, were you kind of always focused on something else? 
Oh yeah. I mean, I, it took me a little while, I guess, to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, so I'll try to keep this short, but so I graduated high school, scraped by, honestly, um, had no idea what I wanted to do in college enrolled in Fullerton. Um, because obviously like I, I didn't feel like I, I didn't apply to any four years coming out of high school. Like I knew I wasn't going to, going to make the cut. I wasn't going to waste my time and money on sending in those applications. So I was like, I mean, Fullerton would be a good place to start. It'll give me a little while to figure out what I want to do. And before I graduated high school, I did kind of think like, it'd be cool to do something in sports, whether it's like sports reporting or broadcasting or something like that. But I had zero clue what that job actually looked like or how to even get to that point. Um, So when I got to Fullerton, I just knocked out all my general eds the first two semesters that I was there. Well, first two and a half. No, sorry. No, first one and a half. Okay. Um, so yeah. And then first one and a half semesters that I was there. And then spring 2017, I took my first journalism class um, with one of my favorite professors, Julie Patel, uh, who is now the head of the journalism department at Cal State LA, if I have that correct. Um, we still keep in touch every now and then. But yeah, she was one of my favorite teachers. Uh, also, same thing, kind of pushed me to be better. Um, and helped me a lot. So I remember going into that thinking like, man, I only have like three semesters left before I need to transfer. I really hope I like this. Um, and I did, I mean, I did struggle and luckily, like I said, I had a really great first professor. And then after that, I got into, uh, the student newspaper and at Fullerton college, it's the way it's structured, like the student paper or student media is a part of the courses. So, um, enrolled in those courses and was writing for the school paper, was writing for, uh, the Fullerton College Magazine, um, joined the Spanish paper, which was kind of in a weird stage just because we had the resources for it, but we really didn't have the numbers to produce like the other, the English side did. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, and it it was really along that path that I was like, you know, I want to do sports and I want to do baseball specifically. It's really the only sport that I've ever been interested in, the sport that I really watched. I mean, outside of like fantasy football, and, you know, in like Mexican soccer, uh, whether it's Atlas or the Mexican national team, I mean, there, there really isn't other, any other sport I followed. And I, and I, I just thought if I want to do this, I mean, I got to kind of go all in on it and, you know, just kind of hope that things work out. So um, I feel really lucky to be still covering baseball. Um, I mean, it's only my first year at the Post-Dispatch, second season um, covering it, including uh, this internship I did at MLB.com last year, which is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to do it and um, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, there's, there's really no other way to describe it. I mean, I get, I get to, you know, be at the ballpark every night, which is a ton of fun. Yeah. I'm like, I just, I remember you would always, um, I don't know if it was on your Twitter or on your Instagram, but you would always post like about the ballpark food or whatever. And I was like, man, like just living the life, dude, and being down there at the ballpark and, and getting to cover all these teams, you know, when you, when you covered San Diego state baseball, and you know that team and then you covered it you know before covid during covid and and all that stuff and then now you're covering these professional teams do you feel like the kind of is the the process by which you go about reporting and writing stories is it still the same as when you were doing it in the da or has it kind of have you kind of adapted and changed a bit oh no it's changed just because there's a bigger demand of what i guess the, the stories you're writing just cause like with the DA, I mean, I was showing up literally showing up like minutes before first pitch. Um, 
then just talking to, you know, a couple of people on the field after the game and uh, head coach after the game and writing a game story off of that. But now it's like, I mean, you show up for like basically like four hours before first pitch when the ballpark opens. Um, I guess it's really weird because like 2021 was different because it was all through Zoom basically. Um, so, I mean, you're just logging on to pregame Zooms with the manager or whatever players were speaking pregame that you, that kind of PR was giving you. Um, but like now in like a, the like post Zoom, post Zoom era where clubhouses are open, um, field access is free. Um, yeah, you're showing up like four hours before the game, uh, going to the manager's pregame session, talking to players pregame in the clubhouse. Um, I, I don't. So since I'm on the minor league side, I'm not writing notebooks or writing pregame stuff. But last season uh, with MLB.com, when I was a fill in, kind of like a backup, uh, subbing in for a lot of people on beats, like I was writing notebooks, I was writing pregame stuff. Um, and then obviously the way you cover games is different just because. Um, I mean, you're on tighter deadlines. Um, I, I think just like I said, in, my, in the role that I am in now where I'm covering the minor leagues, it, 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 it is a lot different just because um, I'm writing, I'm writing a lot more features. I'm writing a lot more kind of quick hit, like notebook type stuff on player performances and updates. Um, but I mean, features are kind of like the main thing that I um, am. I'm also kind of doing, especially now uh, heading into or now that the minor league regular season is over and all that's left is the fall league. Um, and we have obviously the postseason coming up. So, I mean, I'm still just, you know, working on features, uh, still doing kind of other minor updates, um, helping out with postseason coverage. But I mean, yeah, definitely it's answered the long way to answer that question. It, it does change just because, um, you know, we're not, you're not writing just one game recap from this. I mean, the guys like our main beat writers, like Derek Gould and Rick Hummel, who um, have been at the post dispatch for almost longer than I've been alive. Um, they, uh, same thing. Yeah. They handled notes, they handled the game or whatever side story. I mean, I, there's times where I write a side story off the game, but, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot different process just because, um, like I said, the demand or the, yeah, I guess just what the, there's more stories, you know, required coming off of that coverage. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And like, um, you know, everybody talks about like with athletes, there's a welcome to the pros moment. And I always feel like for journalists, there's a welcome to journalism moment that everybody kind of goes through. Um, did you ever have that sort of moment? Yeah. So, I mean, even at the daily Aztec, there, there were kind of like little moments, you know, different news story had kind of been where it was like really weird, but I mean, especially like post-graduation, I think probably like that one first welcome to the pros moment was I'd probably say even spring training last season, um, cause I had gotten hired by MLB.com and then, um, logged basically everything was on zoom. I mean, it's not like I was in Arizona. I mean, I was writing stuff from literally my room in Anaheim. Um, but I mean, yeah, you log on to zoom and it's, well now former angels manager, Joe Madden talking, or there was a zoom with Mike Trout, um, which feels really weird just cause it's zoom. But at the same time, it's like, Hey, this is, you know, a big league manager. Um, and then there was like another moment where the first game I showed up to and went into like a major league press box. I mean, I, I was super nervous cause I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't want to like end up in the wrong place and get like a credential revo revoked or get in trouble. Um, so I was like really at, like asking like a million details of, you know, the ushers of where, where do I need to walk to? Um, but even that was like a really weird moment just because it was a preseason. It was a spring training game at angel stadium. Cause they do like the freeway series against the Dodgers and it was an empty stadium, which is, which was really weird. 
Um, but also, you know, seeing like the other people on the beat, meeting them for the first time was one of those moments. Um, and then the more the season has gone on, the more and more I see like, okay, so this is kind of what like the beat writer life is all about. Um, going to Florida for spring Cardinal spring training. That was a huge welcome to the pros moment just because um, I got to travel all the way to Florida and was there for like two and a half weeks. Um, same thing. I mean, just covering baseball, but also figuring out because this rule that I'm in, it's new um, on the minor league side, but figuring out, you know, how, what this coverage is going to look like going into the clubhouse for the first time. And just being in there was a huge welcome to the pros moment. Um, getting my first Cardinals opening day. I mean, opening day, everybody kept telling me like, it's special here in St. Louis, just good baseball. This is a baseball city. I mean, mm-hmm. their connection between the team and the city and the fan base and just the people that live in St. Louis and even the region, it's something that people, they, they truly care about. So like seeing opening day, I mean, they had the Clydesdales out there. They had all the Cardinals hall of famers, wow. motorcade, the players come in on like a motorcade around the warning track. Um, they have all the world series trophies out there. They have, it, it's a, it's, it's a spectacle. And I mean, that was a huge moment just cause it's like, okay, like this is, you know, the, the organization that I'm covering for the flagship paper here. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, there've been a lot of little moments, I mean, not little moments, a lot of big moments that have kind of, you know, I went from that, you know, that it it just feels crazy. I mean, it feels still kind of like a dream. It's still, um, there's still moments that I feel like, you know, we're going to be more welcome to the pros moments. Um, just cause the more, the more, I guess I'm on the beat there, the more responsibilities I'll have and the more, the bigger things I'll cover. Yeah. Yeah. I've I mean, never... I, assume, I assume, sorry. I assume, I mean, even next Friday, I mean, when the wildcard series, starts in St. Louis, I, I know that for sure we'll be welcome to the pros. Moments yeah. Cause I've never, I've never covered a playoff game. Um, and same thing, it's Cardinals baseball and it's the playoffs. And this is like, as, as a Derek Gould, our lead writer once wrote that this is the, the playoffs are the time that Cardinals become like true Cardinals just cause like this, this is where Cardinals are tested. Wow. Among card like they're compared to like Cardinal greats. Just that's that's a measuring stick of, of baseball and here's playoff success. Wow. That's like incredible. Just like going through that, what you all said and just those little those little moments. I feel like you're right in that sense because it's like, you know, every every I mean, and even in every journalism job, right? We all have these like big sort of high, not high pressure, but sort of these sort of huge situations that we all go through. And I mean, I can kind of oh, definitely. attest to that too, because it's like, um, at least for me, my sort of welcome journalism moment. And I tell, I've told other people this too, was like, we had, um, I was a, uh, I was producing one of the shows and we had a um, plane crash in Santee or a plane crash into a home killing UPS driver. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it caused this huge uproar. I mean, and then we ended up sending um, all these crews here and the producer of that show ended up nominating it for an Emmy and it ended up winning. And yeah, would, congrats. Which, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. Thank you. And like, and I, and what's funny is I tell people this story too, is like, I was not supposed to work that day cause it happened on a Monday and I was actually off, but then somebody subbed like they, somebody called out and they subbed me in last minute. And so because I subbed in, ended up working yeah. that shift, I ended up winning I mean, an Emmy, which is even crazier for me to think yeah, about. I mean, things line up that way, man. It's, sometimes it's unexpected that it really works out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like those, those moments, I feel like those high pressure moments. I mean, it's just, it's, I feel like it kind of builds you in a sense because it's like every journalist, you know, you kind of go through 
these little things covering like a, you know, a small, a small spot news story or whatever, like, you Mm -hmm. know, writing your first game or whatever. But like you said, you know, I mean, you wrote this great feature about um, Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, right from the competitors, you talking to Charlie Morton, right. That was in the dispatch today. Um, Yeah, that was uh, on our website. And that that was like a season long project that I worked on just because it included a lot of voices from different players from around the league. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm uh, super nervous writing it super felt like one of those things where it's like, I have to hit it and hopefully, hopefully people like it. Um, you know, obviously you question yourself, but I mean, yeah, I mean, thank you for reading it. I mean, really it's nice. It's nice to hear when people say like, Oh, Hey, like I read your story. Cause it's like, I know not, I mean, we write these things to be read. So yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, on that topic of, you know, you're covering, this team that has such a long standing tradition, like the Cardinals, I mean, and Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, Yadier Molina, you know, and it's his last season, same with Pujols and Pujols, you know, he's trying to chase 700. He ended up getting it. I mean, just like, you know, you being a reporter and just going through that. And then you're at the last game of Albert Pujols at, you know, Bush stadium. I mean, what's just that whole experience and that atmosphere, like being in the press box in that moment. Well, I, I'll even take you back to his first game back here on opening day. Um, I remember uh, Ben Fredrickson, who's one of our uh, columnists and is really taking me under his wing here um, in St. Louis. Uh, we're, we talked about it in spring training after Pujols signed. I mean, that was a huge moment, right? Albert Pujols got DFA'd by the Angels last year, um, which is actually kind of an interesting thing because I covered or not covered that when that happened, I was on angels coverage when it happened just because of Mark Feinstein, who's a, 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 a national reporter from OB.com broke the story. And I was filling in for angels beat reporter Rhett Bollinger that day. So I was um, at the ballpark when pools got DFA'd. And then um, obviously he signed with the Dodgers. Uh, his status of returning in 2022 is up in the air and everybody's thinking, you know, this guy's sitting on 680 something home runs. Uh, one of the greatest hitters of all time one of the greatest players in general of all time. Um, could St. Louis be a match for him to return? I mean, it could be, you know, farewell season. And then obviously the lockout happens and that was long. And then, you know, finally in March, things get back to things get going again. Lockout ends, new CBA is agreed upon. Um, and in the new collective bargaining agreement, there's the universal DH and everybody's like, Oh, maybe this is the chance for Albert pools to come back. I mean, and be, you know, have opportunities to play just because, I mean, the Cardinals already have Paul Goldschmidt who's having an MVP caliber season and Albert Pools isn't going to play every day. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt's, in, you know, still one of the top first basemen in the league. And now you have the DH. So it's like, Hey, this could happen. And then just one day in March or really at, overnight in March, Albert Pools, uh, resigns with the Cardinals, uh, are, uh, I know our lead writer, Derek Gould broke the story. Um, and yeah, so he comes back and I kept hearing, you know, I mean, how special he met, how special Albert Pujols is to the city of St. Louis and the Cardinals fan base and growing up in Anaheim, seeing him get to Anaheim when I was in high school and how that, how that all played out was a lot different just because it was a whole different Albert. I mean, it, it was, I mean, he battled injuries. Um, there was some uh, underperformance uh, obviously with age, uh, but, but I mean, yeah. So, I mean, opening day, comes and everybody's like, man, this is going to be crazy. Albert's back. And sure enough, I mean, they announced his name, you know, starting uh, 
Albert Pujols, everybody goes crazy. His first at bat, everybody goes crazy. And that's how it was throughout the year. Like every at bat that he took, it was a musty moment. And it got even more musty as he, uh, as he got closer and closer to 700 homers. Um, I remember his first home run back at Bush. It was against the Royals uh, sometime in March, sometime in April. Um, people went crazy. Um, and people just kept going crazy the whole year. And same thing for Yadier Molina. I mean, who, you know, is one of the greatest defensive catchers of all time. Same thing. I mean, people love these guys, even Adam Wainwright, who, you know, nobody knows if he was retiring this year, but also one of the Cardinal greats. Um, so yeah, so we flash forward to this last weekend and it really started on Friday just cause this Friday was the first game back after Pujols hit 700 and they had a big ceremony, um, which was crazy. I mean, people packed the place Saturday, people packed the place. Um, and then Sunday, obviously they have that big pregame ceremony honoring Pujols and Molina. And I mean, it's just one of those moments that I, I feel like you're going to fans, not just in baseball, but in sports in general, look back and are like, Hey, this was like their farewell ceremony. Obviously they have three more regular season games left and they have whatever uh, lies ahead in the playoffs. Um, but you know, this was their Bush stadium, regular season farewell. And it was, it was one of those things where people like you could tell, I mean, I mean, I, I remember showing up to the ballpark yesterday, um, you know, it was a one o'clock game. So gates open at uh, media gates open at nine, but the regular uh, fan gates don't open, I think until like 11. And I was there sort of like, I was, it was maybe like 10, 15 and the line to get in was just all the way down the street. I mean, it was insane. I had to like, kept saying like, excuse me, like and kind of make my way through the crowd just to get mm-hmm. to the entrance. Um, but yeah, it was insane. I mean, I, I was even worried that I wasn't going to find parking when I showed up wow. um, just cause that's, that's just how, how much it meant to this, how much it meant to the fan base in the city. Um, so, I mean, yeah, seeing these two future hall of famers get honored on the field, uh, seeing just you know, hearing, you know, what, you know, people like, you know, the owner, uh, Cardinals chairman, Bill DeWitt junior had to say, I mean, hearing, you know, what other players had to say about Albert and Yen Yachty in this farewell. I mean, it was one of those things that was, that was special for baseball and special for St. Louis. And I mean, it was cool to see that from the press box and see that, um, kind of be on the other side of these things. So, I mean, yeah, definitely one of those moments that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll remember. Yeah, for sure. And like when they, you know, that moment, I think it was the fifth inning where they all left together. Mm-hmm. Right. And you hear this roar from the crowd. I mean, what was that like from the press box when you're seeing, you know, Yachty, Wayno and, and Albert just all leave the field at the same time? Well, I don't think we knew it was all going to happen like that. Um, I remember somebody had asked pregame uh, during the Oliver Marmol Cardinals managers pregame session, if, if that was a possibility, he said, you know, if it lined up, it, it, it would have, you know, it would be a possibility for Albert and Yachty to exit at the same time. Um, did we think Wayne was going to come out at the same time? No. Um, obviously it was kind of a down, it was, he had, he had, he struggled yesterday against Pittsburgh. So, I mean, it was, it, it felt weird just cause it, it, it was obviously a, a moment that, you know, was special. I mean, three players who defined Cardinals baseball for the last two decades, um, three, you know, uh, you know, three, three Cardinal greats really um, exiting the field during the final regular season home game all at the same time, you know, they've all come up together. Uh, minus, you know, Albert's time in Anaheim, they've all, you know, played, you know, Cardinals baseball together. So, I mean, seeing that was, 
it was definitely one of those things you don't expect just during that mountain visit. You weren't sure what was going to go on. You know, I, I kind of thought, uh, Wayne, was going to talk Ollie into letting him finish that last inning, just cause that's something, you know, Wayne knows that has that mentality of, you know, the traditional starter, you know, wanting to finish the inning. Um, but seeing them exit at the same time is one of those moments. I mean, that, that you kind of look back on as like, wow, this kind of was a, uh, almost like a changing of the guard just cause I mean, these guys are, you know, kind of on their way out. Like I said, Adam Wainwright, no one knows what his status is. He knows probably what his status is for next season and beyond. Um, but seeing those three exit at the same time is also one of those moments where it's like, wow. Like, I mean, it's kind of like a, a movie made type moment. Yeah. Like to me, it kind of reminded me like very much of like San Antonio Spurs esque moment, right. With Manu, Tim mm-hmm. and, and Tony. Cause it's like, you have three people who have like defined a whole, you know, decade oh, of yeah. success and they're all, you know, kind of leaving, not leave. Well, we don't know again, like you said, we don't know if Wayne was leaving or not, but like you said, you know, they're all, it's, leaving it's, it's, it's really an end. Like you said, it, it's kind of the end of an era. Yeah. Defined. Yeah. That, that, por- that period of time for, like you said, for Spurs basketball, and this is, you know, the end of this era for Cardinals baseball. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, like you said, this is, you, you've been covering MLB for a bit. Um, you gotten a chance to go to all these ballparks. What's the best ballpark to be at as a fan and which one is the best to be at as a media member? You're probably going to hate me for this one. Um, well, okay. Well, sorry. As a fan. Um, I mean, as far as covering I'll, I'll, the, the media one will, will be easier to answer just cause I've only been to I guess if you count like Roger Dean stadium where the Cardinals spring training is, I mean, I guess it would be five ballparks, but I only count four big league ones. So um, obviously angel stadium, Dodger stadium, Peckle park and Bush stadium. Um, Oh man, I think Cardinal fans would hate me if I heard this, if, they, if I said this too, but okay. You know what? Uh, I'll, I, I think the, at least in the last few years, the, the top two for sure fan experience ballparks has to be Dodger stadium and Bush stadium, just because of obviously the history of those two franchises and where those franchises are at in terms of this, the kind of success they've had in the last few years. Um, Dodger stadium has just like this crazy vibe. I mean, it's one of the four, it's the third oldest active ballpark um, with obviously Wrigley and Fenway being ahead of it. Um, But Dodger stadium is just, uh, it's just one of those things where like you, you do, I mean, it's, it, I know people complain, you know, people don't show up on time, people leave early, but I mean, the Dodgers are trying, you know, are one of the best teams in not just the national league, but in all of baseball and the fans understand that. And the games are lively um, at any moment, you know, things can, the Dodgers are down. I mean, I remember being at Dodger game covering Dodger games last year and, you know, at any moment, I mean, the team can just kind of go off on offense. Um, but I mean, Bush stadium is also in that same, you know, has that same vibe where you see, you, you see the, the nods to history throughout the ballpark. You see all the statues of the Cardinal hall of famers outside, um, not Cardinal, but MLB hall of famers who went in as Cardinals. Um, you, you see all of that. And I mean, especially this last year has made it, made that feel even more special just because of like, what's going on with Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of a, a tie between those two as, as from a fan's perspective. I mean, obviously I grew up an Angels fan and um, always loved going to games. Uh, but I mean, the on-field product was, you know, aside from Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, I mean, there, there isn't a whole lot else to 
to kind of get excited about. Um, Petco Park, I mean, I went to a lot of, not a lot of games. I went to a few games, uh, you know, when I was in junior high and high school. Really, I feel disappointed. I only went to one game uh, when I was at SDSU, and that was with Luis. Um, and that was before, I mean, obviously before the, the, the Brown came in. Um, that was, you know, 2019. So it was a whole different vibe at that ballpark. Um, but obviously great food, great atmosphere there. Um, now, when it comes to covering a game, um, to me, I guess I have two different answers as well for that one. I mean, covering, covering a game at Angel Stadium, the first game I covered is special to me just because that was the place, that was the ballpark I grew up going to. So being able to be in that press box and uh, cover baseball there felt really, it was something I, I never thought would happen um, and something that I, I, I did feel like was special. Um, but when it comes to the best, it has to be Bush Stadium just because being a part of the post-dispatch and knowing Cardinals history and the way that the post-dispatch has covered the Cardinals, um, it feels, it, it, I guess it gives it like a little bit more meaning to me just because, I mean, uh, the Bob Brogue, Rick Hummel press box, which is named there. I mean, I literally got to sit next to Rick Hummel, who's retiring the season from the post-dispatch. Um, he's covered baseball for 51 years. He's been on the Cardinals beat for 50 of those. Um, he's a baseball hall. He's a, Wow. The hall of the baseball national baseball hall of fame inducts reporters and writers. And he is in the national baseball hall of fame. Um, Bob Rogue was an editor for the post dispatch and is also in the hall of fame and has, you know, they share that press box name. So, I mean, just being, I mean, being there and understanding kind of the expectations of, of you know, not just post dispatch, but like the entire Cardinals beat. I mean, there's a lot of fans who are very interested and read a lot. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of expectations there. I mean, it, it was, it was special there. I mean, obviously I got to give a nod to the Vince Foley press box at Dodger stadium. Um, covering games there was really cool. Um, but I mean, like I said, I mean, you see the nods to his, to the Cardinals history around St. Louis and you also see the nods to history to the reporters. Cause um, I mean, they acknowledge that and it's, it's something that's respected. I mean, even yesterday, um, like you said, when, uh, Dabur Pujols, Yadier Molina ceremony. After that, we had our own ceremony. I mean, not a ceremony. We had a, you know, a little celebration for, for Rick Hummel. Um, you know, took a group photo and, you know, as we're, you know, kind of giving him a round of applause, congratulating him, you know, 51 years of post-dispatch. I mean, uh, fans below us turned around and cheered and congratulated him just because, wow. I mean, I mean how, how many places do you know that fans ac acknowledge the beat writers? Not very I mean, many. But I mean, he has left the legacy. I mean, he's still going to be covering games, you know, as he'll still be at home games and still be at spring training, um, but just he's retiring from the Cardinals beat things, uh, uh, beat as a whole. So, um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, being able to, to kind of take in a little bit of, you know, what this person is, you know, I've been able to call a colleague and a coworker um, has been able to do over the last 50 years. Um, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, it's, He's one of the greatest of all time, and I'm lucky to have shared a press box with him. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, like in those moments, like when you get to work with people that are that have been doing this for so long, right? Like mm -hmm. the, you know, me getting to work with Darnay and people like OC and all these other people, and then you mm -hmm. with, with Rick Hummel and all these others. Like, how important do you feel like it is for young journalists today to just kind of get, you know, like you said that that word of networking, like? How important is that nowadays? You know, it's weird. So I, I always, that was the one thing I was always bad at is networking. Um, just cause I'm terrible when it comes to like social situations. Um, 
but I, I would say it's not just networking. I would say it's also um, getting close to the people you're working with. And not, not just because like you're trying to move up in your career, but also because I mean, a lot of those people are really, really good people and they're always real, willing to help. And that was one of the things that I saw uh, last year at MLB.com. And even going back to the NBC, I mean, guys like Darnay, guys like Derek Togerson, um, Fernando Ramirez, who's, you know, is now covering the Chargers, um, OC, I mean, a lot of other people, I mean, Becky Schildhouse, who was a producer there, um, a, lot, a lot of them were always willing to help me out and uh, give me tips. I was just always so hesitant to ask, ask for that help just because I didn't want to make it seem like I didn't know what I was doing or um, was lost. But, but even last year at MLB.com, some guys like Juan Rubio, who covers the Dodgers for them, um, Jesse Sanchez, who, like if you're talking about Latinos who have covered baseball, I mean, uh, at, at least... Oh, Latino baseball writers, he is like on the Mount Rushmore of things. I mean, he's one of really the forefathers for us. Um, And he was kind of, he served in this mentor role for me. I mean, he's one of the national writers there and he was huge. And it wasn't just networking, trying to get to know Jesse. It was learning from him and asking questions. Um, And that's what I've seen here. I mean, Rick Hummel, I mean, he's, like I mentioned, you know, 50 years of the post-dispatch, 51 years of the post-dispatch. And then you know, next to him is Derek Gould, who's been on the Cardinals beat since I think 2004, 2003. Um, you know, one of the top baseball writers in the country. And um, next to him, Ben Fredrickson, who's one of our top columnists here. And next to him, Benjamin Hockman, who's another one of our top columnists. And, you know, they've won a bunch of awards and being able to not just like network to know them, but network. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah, networking is huge, but it's like now I'm not networking with them. I'm learning from them. I mean, there's some of the people who have made this transition going from uh, Anaheim to St. Louis a lot easier. I mean, they've not just in a reporter work aspect, um, have they helped me? It's also just kind of in, not even kind of, in, in a lot of ways, uh, a personal life aspect. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, being able to to get to know the people you're working with, I mean, especially here where it's like, like, yeah, like I'm working with like all these people who are on the post-dispatch, but also, you know, next to me, it's like Katie Wu from The Athletic and John Denton from MLB.com. And they have, you know, experiences covering stuff. And, you know, I've, I've gotten to know them and they're people who, you know, uh, I get along with really well and, you know, who friends of mine. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of people just because they, maybe they don't work for the same paper or for the same news station as you, but there are people who are always willing to help if you have questions. Um, but yeah, I mean, networking in general is going to be huge for for young reporters. I mean, that, like I said, that was one of the things that I, I always felt bad at. I mean, I, I never really did go to like those networking events and I, I do regret um, a, a little part of that. And it was just because like, I always felt out of place. I felt like I never belonged. Um, I still feel like that sometimes where I've been like, what the heck am I doing here? Um, but I mean, yeah, that, that's obviously a huge thing. Yeah. And I, I would agree too, because it was like, at least for me, when, um, when I wanted to be a producer, like I had, you know, I was talking to people like Darnay, talking to people like OC, they, you know, I'm shadowing them while they're boosting the shows. I'm helping produce the show, like all these little things. And, you know, them kind of throwing me into the ringer where I'm producing like the 11 o'clock midday mornings, all that, you know, all these different shows. And I feel like, again, you know, not just about, you know, getting close with, with the people that you work with, but also like just the idea of consistently consistently getting better at what you're doing, you know, whether that's like leveling up and and like telling people your intentions, I think is the biggest thing too, because sometimes people may feel like it's, they're too coy or too, you know, they may be a little shy to ask for help, but I feel like that's like one of the most important things you can do in in this field, right? It's just to ask for help. Oh yeah. I mean, 
I hope like <clears throat> whoever listens to this doesn't take it the wrong way, but we don't know everything. I mean, especially us who have graduated in the last couple of years. I mean, people who have even, um, you know, people who are just still finding their footing in the business. Like we don't know, we don't have the answers to everything. We don't have all the experience to, to figure things out. So, I mean, asking questions doesn't, isn't a bad thing. It's not a negative thing that reflects upon you. It's actually a positive thing just because you're showing that you want help or you're showing that you're open to help. Um, and that you want to learn. And that's the biggest thing, especially for the way I kind of approach things is just trying to learn as much as I can. Um, I know there's a lot of areas I need to get better in. There's a lot of growth for me that I need to get to at some point. And I'm hopefully, um, I know it's going to take a process to, to be better. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's always people that are going to help you. And there's always people who have tons of experience. I mean, even like the little things that sound dumb, I always, I always kind of uh, preface my questions like to Derek Gould our lead writer and say, Hey, this might be a dumb question. And he's like, no, he's like, don't worry. It's not dumb. Um, just cause I think it's dumb, but to him, he's like, no, like it's a good thing. I mean, it might sound dumb to me, but, um, it's a valid question and one that, you know, is worth asking. So, um, anytime, you know, I've ever needed help or anything. I mean, it's, it's good to have, uh, resources around you and same thing. I mean, not just the people who I work with and sit next to, but also the people who I've met, um, you know, over the last couple of years, I mean, people who same thing like Jesse Sanchez, I know I can reach out to him whenever. Um, and he'll always help me. I know there's other reporters who I've met that I can reach out to at any point. And, you know, if I have a question, they'll do their best to answer and help me out. Yeah, certainly. And like, take me through what it's like to cover the Cardinals minor league team and just that whole system. Like what, what, what is a, typical reporting day look like for you? I guess it depends. I mean, there's really not like one set day. Some days, like like today, for example, where the Cardinals are on the road. So, I mean, I'm not going to be at any stadium. Um, the I'm not on the road covering uh, minor leagues right now. I mean, the minor league season's actually over. And now the fall league starting today, which uh, for those that don't know about the Arizona fall league, it's usually a um, like a short season season, um, short season league. Uh, a lot of teams send about five, I think they send about seven prospects, six to seven prospects, um, play like in a, like a 40 something game season. Um, so like today, for example, um, I have some features that I'm working on. Um, also, you know, going to be writing some updates about the Cardinals prospects that are playing today. Cause today's our Arizona fall league opening day. Um, days that, I, you know, that I, have to, that I'm at the ballpark, it's the same thing, you know, get it, go early, you know, be there for pregame availability. Um, usually I'll write my minor league stuff from there. Um, if something comes up that, you know, we can write a cider on, I'll, you know, I'll try to do my best to, to get that done. I'll help run quotes. Um, you know, that's kind of the approach that we take. I mean, you know, usually there's three or people from the post dispatch at any given Cardinals game. So, I mean, if something like something like yesterday happens where we know we need to get Yachty, Wayno and Albert post game. Um, well, that's something we, we know like, Hey, if somebody, you know, if Rick is talking to Wayno and Albert decides to talk into the scrum over there, somebody has to get over there. Yachty decides to talk, which kind of weird because our lockers are right next to each other. But I mean, if you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure we have all our bases covered. So, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, we go to, you know, go to the game, you know, cover the game, I guess. I mean, I, I don't, you know, cover, you know, write the game story, but I mean, I'm there. I mean, covering, it, I guess, as well, helping out with post game quotes. Um, then same thing. We'll get back to the press box post game. 
I'll transcribe whatever uh, I need to send over to Rick or Derek. Um, I, and then usually I'll finish my minor league stuff there and then come back to my apartment and kind of do that same thing the next day. Um, until, like I said, a day like today, I'll kind of just write from home, get my feature done for, to be published tomorrow. Um, days that I've gotten to go on the road to cover the minor leagues. I mean, it's a little bit different, obviously. Well, I guess not a little bit different. I mean, it's, it's the same, basically like that's that same layout of covering, um, like going to a major league game, just minor league ballpark. I mean, usually I'm trying to talk to as many guys as I can just to kind of get stuff saved up, get quotes and stories saved up to be that I can write over the next couple of weeks. Um, then obviously some days are different where, um, you know, we do a minor league podcast, uh, so I mean, going to the studio to record, I mean, going to our newsroom and we have like a little makeshift, not makeshift. We have like a little, I mean, a podcast studio, I guess. Um, but yeah, going to record that. And, um, I guess, I mean, those are, I guess the three typical types of days. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of nights. It's a lot of, um, transcribing a lot of just writing in general, which I mean, I like to do. So, um, I guess, I guess that's kind of it. I mean, there's no like really set formula. I mean, especially like now with the next couple of weeks of the playoffs, I mean, we could have two home games at Bush stadium and that's it. Or they, these guys could be playing deep into November, not deep into November, but deep in October and the start of November, if they get to the world series. So, I mean, it's weird. Cause like, it's kind of a point in the season where you kind of don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of days. So, I mean, you just kind of have to be ready. Yeah. I'm, I'm like you said, it, it was kind of funny. I, I felt the same sort of way at NBC the past couple of days because it was like we weren't sure when the Padres were going to clinch because, mm-hmm. you know, the magic number was at three and then it dropped to one. And so we were like, oh, they could have, you know, they could clinch on Thursday. They could clinch on Friday. They could clinch on Saturday. Obviously, none of those three things happened because they ended up clinching yesterday on Sunday. But um, like you said, we kind of have to be prepared for those moments because it's like we you know, we might have to send Derek and a photog out to Petco to do mm-hmm. these things. We might have to, you know, have Darnay front something in house, you know, in the A block or something like that, like all mm-hmm. these sorts of things. And even when I was doing sports rap yesterday, like we had all these things fleshed out for the show, but we had to, you know, Derek sends all of his elements later from the clubhouse. And so that completely changes everything as far as formatting for how we went about the Padres. And so, like you said, I feel like there's a similarity in that aspect of like with the postseason and with the, with these games and these sort of late, late season things that like nothing's ever sort of set right in your sort of schedule. Like everything's kind of just spontaneous on the day of kind of planning. You feel like, Oh yeah. I mean, you, I think you, <clears throat> what the advice that I've, the advice that I've been given is, you know, you, you can't really come to the ballpark without a plan. Cause obviously like if you're the main writer for that day, if you're on the, if you're on the notes and you're on the gamer, I mean, you have to know what's going to be in your notebook or maybe you don't know what's in your notebook, but you have ideas of, you know, what you're going to write about. Um, so I mean, you have to come with a game plan. You have to come prepared for quest with questions. Um, something, you know, being preparation is something that I'm still trying to work on to get better at. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some days where it's like, Oh, Hey, you know, all these, going to be Oliver Marmol. He's going to be available at three 30. And some days it's like, Oh, well, he's not available until like four 15. And you're, you know, you're just kind of gauging, you know, how you're going to, how pregame is going to go. Um, same thing. Post game, you don't know what's ever going to happen. Um, I remember same thing. We kind of had a plan of, all right, if Pujols gets to 700 here at Bush stadium, how are we going to go about it? I mean, cause obviously, you know, one of either Derek or Rick's going to be the lead writer that day. Um, 
then we had, you know, call special call-ins that were, were going to go up that, that did go up obviously now that he's at 700. Um, we also, you know, had a plan of, you know, if they clinch at home, what's that going to look like? But I mean, they clinched on the road. So, um, you know, Derek, you know, got the job. I mean, he's one of the best in the business and he got the job. I mean, did a spectacular job. Um, and the same thing with the postseason. I mean, now, like the other day, you know, we kind of like a got our, you know, got our assignments of what we're going to do. So like, I don't know what I'll be doing. Everybody kind of has, has the, knows what, what the role they're going to play in. But I mean, you never know what can happen. I mean, what if Miles Michaelis takes the ball in game one for the Cardinals and throws a no hitter against whoever they play? I mean, things change. I mean, then, you know, uh, there's no, you, I feel like you can go in with the plan. I think sports are so weird. Cause like you can go in with the plan to, I mean, I guess new, new news. I mean, not, I guess, I mean, it's true. I mean, news, you never know what can happen, but, but I mean, yeah, there are days, you know, at the ballpark, um, you go in kind of knowing what to do or knowing or expecting something and the unexpected happens. I mean, um, even last year, uh, one of the games that I covered at Pickle park, uh, Padres were down eight, nothing. They had gotten pummeled. I'd say by the nationals the day before it was like a 15 to one game. Chris Paddock just kind of blew up. And then, you know, they're down eight, nothing to the nationals again. And Fernando Tatis, hits like a three run homer. And, you know, a few at bats later, Daniel Camarena, rookie reliever comes up and hits a grand slam. And there's an in-game story. I write about that. And then obviously the Padres make that insane comeback. So it's like, Hey, now you have, you went into the day like, okay, you had whatever, filed the notes, had the note, Padres notebook go up, and then you had this Tatis thing, and it's like, okay, I think we kind of need like an in-game story on that just because it's Fernando Tatis sitting at Homer. Everybody's going to want to click and view the Homer and read about it. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, like this rookie reliever just hit a grand slam off of Max Scherzer, who's a future Hall of Famer, with the Padres down 8 nothing, and they just created this comeback. So they do that. And then post-game, it's like, you Darvish also got hurt that, that game. So now there's like a U Darvish update and it's like, man, like you come in thinking like, Oh, there's probably only going to be like a couple things written today. And now it's like, we have four different headlines <laughs> on our website. Yeah. Um, and obviously like being around, being around one team all season long, you see that as well, where um, Sunday night baseball with, uh, I can't remember. I, I can't remember who pitched that game, but giants Cardinals and it's a blowout. And all of a sudden, Albert Pujols steps onto the mound and starts pitching. And it's like, okay, we definitely need something on that. Um, so, I mean, you, you always can go into the plan, but I mean, as you know, I mean, being a producer, news happens, things change. And uh, some days you're right. Some days it's, a, you know, some, some, some days you show up to the ballpark and it's a four nothing game where the Cardinals only had two hits and didn't look good. And other days, you show up and they blow out the giants and Albert Pujols pitches. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of illustrative of the spontaneity of this, of this whole field, regardless of whether you're in news or sports, right? Because it's like, you could have something set, like for example, Thursday um, or Wednesday, I had everything set for my 11 PM show. And then all of a sudden 10 23, we get a breaker with a hazmat situation at UCSD. Mm -hmm. Got to send our reporter there for a live hit at the top of the show. Then, you know, later as the show's starting, they're having IFB issues. So we have to float them out, move them down or whatever, all this, all this sort of things that you like kind of have to pre plan for, but also there's that spontaneity. And it's just kind of like, I feel like for a lot of younger journalists, it's like, you have to be kind of prepared for those moments. Like, because when they happen, you got to just have a game plan for them. You got to just go and go and go. And you know, whether it's Rocky or, or not, I think, um, 
just having a plan in, in mind in, in those situations, I think is, is important for a lot of young journalists, would you say? Yeah. I mean, obviously having a plan, um, I would assume, um, actually this is a question I asked for a couple the other day, like, do the seasons get easier as they go on? And he said, I mean, some, some seasons are different. He's like, you know, this one's different, obviously with all the pools and Wayno stuff and me pools, Yachty stuff. Um, but I mean, he, the way he described it to me is that you figure out, you learn more about yourself as the seasons go on and as, as the game, you know, seasons progress. Um, and I, I, I would assume a part of that is understanding how to adjust to those situations. Um, cause I, I think you can game plan as long as you want, but I mean, like you said, I mean, you could show up to the new, to the newsroom one day and a plane crashes and Santee and kills someone. I mean, you can show up to the ballpark one day and Albert pool. I mean, obviously you plan ahead for Albert pool 700 home run, but you can show up to the ballpark one day and miles Michaelis carries a no hitter through eight and two thirds innings. Um, and then obviously it doesn't get it, but, but I mean, you never know what can happen. Um, and I, I would assume, you know, with, with more experience, yeah, I mean, you don't have a game plan, but you understand how to go about those things and how to, to cover those things just because you've, you know, you've been around it for so long. So, I mean, I, that, that's something that, that I would assume, I mean, like, I mean, kind of like that piece of advice that you learn more about yourself. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, with, you know, hopefully, you know, if, you know, we both have long, you know, successful careers in journalism um, and, you know, eventually we're talking about like, remember how worried we got, when this happened and yeah. now it's like, okay, yeah, it happened. And you know, you're kind of like, Oh man, it's happening, but you, you know how to go about it. Yeah, certainly. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, now I want to kind of get into the play, the postseason because obviously the wildcard games for the national league and American league start on Friday this weekend. I mean, man, talk about a quick turnaround, right? I mean, the Padres last game of the season is on Wednesday. Then they have a wildcard game coming to them on Fridays when they got a one game turnaround. But I just wanted to share a little bit of the um, of the standings right now. So let me get the, the standings pulled up here. Um, obviously, we got the postseason picture right now. You're you know, the Cardinals are sitting at that third seed, possibly facing mm-hmm. playing Philadelphia in this wild card. Now, things are a little bit fluid because right now Atlanta holds the lead for that two spot and the Mets are kind of locked in with the Padres in this four five for the wild card. Phillies are still not locked in for that six seed. How do you kind of see things playing out with this wild card spot? Like, do you see possibly the Cardinals playing the Phillies, the Brewers, or do you see, you know, do you see kind of see the Padres kind of falling in a bit for that six spot? How do you expect? Um, man, I mean, the Phillies have kind of been on a decline. They've, I mean, they took, they took the last couple games that they played against Washington. Um, but I mean, you, I, I really don't think you know what can go on when it comes to the last few games of the season. Um, obviously, I think you as a Padres fan understand that being, you know, 2010, obviously Padres needing one win gets swept by the Giants in San Francisco and Giants go on to win the World Series that year in the, as the last wildcard team. Or as the only wildcard team because there was only one wildcard spot at the time. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, the Phillies, they kind of have been on a slide and the thing that's benefited them is that Milwaukee's also on a huge slide. I mean, they came into the year possibly contending for the division. I mean, they won the NL central last year and had a lot of those key pieces coming back. Um, obviously things have not gone their way, especially after the trade deadline when they moved Josh Hader, um, who was also kind of, you know, struggled, but looked, looked better as a Padre of late. Um, 
But I mean, yeah, I, I would I would assume it's going to be the Phillies in that six seed, or in that, yeah, in that six seed coming to St. Louis, um, just because, um, just kind of I guess when you look at the playoff odds, it it kind of lines up that way. But they do play their last three games against Houston. Um, Houston's locked into the one seed, I think, throughout the American League side of the playoffs. So I mean, the Dodgers are going to be the top overall team if they get to the World Series. They'll have home home field advantage all the way through, but. But I mean, yeah, I think you're still going to be scoreboard watching. Um, obviously, there's still ground that Milwaukee can make up to slide into that six seed. Uh, the Padres are in a really good position, obviously, to to get into that. But I mean, and they're going to play. I mean, if if they do and they end up as a five and play New York, um, man, that's going to be an interesting series just because the Mets in the offseason built this World Series caliber team, showed that they could be this World Series caliber team. and have been on a decline as well. I mean, they just got swept by Atlanta, lost a huge series there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm fully expecting the Phillies to make that six seed uh, just because, um, you know, obviously they, they, they're in the driver's seat to claim that last playoff spot. Um, but I mean, man, I mean, almost, I mean, it, it is, a, it sounds dumb because it's like, it's almost October, but like it literally is October. Um, so it's postseason's few days away and that's going to be crazy yeah i think it's interesting with this bracket here and i'll have it we'll have it pulled up here but i think it's interesting because i feel like the cardinals are set up in a good position because they're not playing the dodgers who are you know i think clear cut just in the league of their own in this in this sort of in this sort of division right but i think um you know, they're, they're playing the Braves. They got, you know, they could expect to play the Phillies in that six seed and they have the Braves. They could set up an interesting championship series if they end up making it because they could play the Dodgers. The Padres, I think, are really set up to do well in this wild card matchup, especially if they play the Mets. Like you said, they've been on the decline. Um, and I feel like the if you're the Mets, this is a team that you don't want to be playing with the Padres, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, with the way the Padres pitching has been of late, I mean, it's it's been better. Um, you know, uh, I know Blake Snell was inconsistent to begin the year. I mean, you Darvish has also kind of been better lately. Um, so, I mean, you look at their starting pitching and obviously Joe Musgrove, who, who was an all-star this year. So, I mean, that first round, it's a three game series. So, I mean, you, you have to be smart with your, who, with who gets a starting, who gets a starting job in game one and two. Um, I think particularly game one, cause that you control the series and obviously it, it's in your favor, but, but I mean, yeah, the Padres are a team that that's played better of late. Um, they're a team that when you, I guess when you look at playoff contenders, I mean, they're, they, who knows? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the playoffs. I mean, anybody can catch fire. Anybody can, can do anything. Um, but I mean, I, I, it's, but I mean, going back to like what you said about the Cardinals having an easier path, if they have to go through Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta's a tough team. Um, their lineup is one of the best lineups in all of baseball. Uh, and they're pitching as well. I mean, Spencer Strider, who's a, who's a rookie. I mean, the Cardinals cannot figure him out. They faced him twice this year and did not look good against him. Um, obviously that lineup bullpen's really good. Uh, they added Rysel Iglesias. Rysel Iglesias of the deadline has been really good for them. Um, but I mean, yeah, but it's so weird. It's, it's so weird. Cause like, I know the Dodgers are still I mean, the best team in baseball, um, record wise. And I mean, you can make the argument on paper. I mean, obviously record speaks for itself, 
but you look at their starting pitching options and a lot of them have been turned upside down in a sense because of injuries. Um, you know, Clayton Kershaw did return. Uh, so, I mean, obviously he, he kind of set in a, to make an impact there in the postseason, but um, I mean, it's going to be a tough field when you, when whichever way you go about it. Um, but it's funny. Cause even like yesterday, uh, Cardinal manager, Ollie Marmol was, you know, he's been asked a lot about, you know, who's going to get the ball in game one. I mean, there's a lot of options that the Cardinals do have, um, which is weird. Cause like you would think Adam Wainwright could be that guy in game one, but I mean, he might, there's a possibility he might not even start in game one, two or three, if they get to that point. Um, just cause he's been through this dead arm phase and he's been inconsistent of late, uh, so, I mean, there are a lot of options, but it's like, I, like the, the point that he made and the point that, I, I, that I'm trying to get to, by, but I'm, I keep talking way too much, um, that, you know, you, you can project and kind of plan out what you want to do for the NLCS and NLDS if, you know, kind of, you know, how, how, what would your rotation look like if you get there? But you have to get there at first. I mean, you can look at it whatever way you want. The Cardinals can say, well, you know, we're going to pitch so-and-so in game one and two against Atlanta if things line up, but things have to line up and you have to get past that first round. Yeah, no doubt about it. What do you kind of expect to see from the Cardinals in this postseason? Do you feel like they could have a chance to make it very far? Man, I mean, so I've always, I, there's no logic behind this. There's no stats to back this up, but I've always felt like there's, there's a team in the playoffs every year. That's like almost a team of not a team of destiny, but like that storybook team. Um, I always made this joke that that Eagles were uh, Super Bowl run where they didn't have Carson Wentz, but it's like, man, this team has kind of withstood it all. This is like the team of destiny. Um, same thing. The Astros in 2017 say what you will, but I mean, it's like the storybook part about hurricane Harvey and all that. I mean, and now you have like this, uh, same thing with Atlanta. You had like that story, even last year, you had that storybook team of they lost Ronald Acuna and patched their outfield together with three guys. They traded three guys at the deadline that they traded for who weren't commodities and became commodities with the Braves. Um, so when I look at the Cardinals team, um, obviously, you know, they have guys like Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, who are going to finish most likely one and two in MVP voting for the national league. Um, you have guys like Miles Michaelis, who was an all-star this year. Brent Helsley, who's one of the top closers in all of baseball. Uh, Brendan Donovan, who is a utility rookie, um, who I don't think would win rookie of the year, but I mean, he's going to get rookie vote, rookie of the year votes. Um, so when you look at the team, and, and there are a lot of pieces around there, and that's just to name a few, because um, there, there have been other guys who have played well and contributed well, like Jose Quintana, uh, Jordan Montgomery, who they got at the deadline. But then you look at like the three... I guess Cardinal icons that they had and they celebrated this past or two that they celebrated and the third who exited the field together with them on Sunday. And I mean, you almost get the sense like there's going to be some magic in October. Um, I don't know how far magic can take you, but I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's like, if, if there's a storybook ending, I mean, they've kind of made this, had the storybook season, you know, Albert Pujols is getting the 700 home runs, Yadier Molina, uh, setting the uh, MLB record for all time starts as a battery with Adam Wainwright. I mean, they, that's a record that's never going to be broken in baseball. Um, same thing, Yadi Molina. I mean, moving up on the list on games caught with most, uh, I think he has the most putouts in all of MLB history now. Um, 
So, I mean, these guys have set records all year. These guys have had these memorable moments. Um, who knows if that magic continues in October? I mean, there's possibility just because, I mean, there's, there's a lot of emotion in it. I mean, it, it's sometimes just who, I mean, obviously it's who performs and who doesn't, but it's like who can step up when the moment's the biggest. And we've seen, I mean, especially in the regular season, that there have been Cardinals who have stepped up when the moment's the biggest. I mean, our pools has been a big part of that. That run, Paul Goldschmidt, I mean, who kind of had a bad September, um, picking it up a little bit. I mean, he's the, anytime the Cardinals needed a big hit, he was there to, to provide that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, this, this Cardinals team on paper, I mean, it doesn't have, you know, the six or seven all-stars that the Yankees had this season or same thing with the Dodgers. Uh, even yesterday it was talked about where the Cardinals don't have this frontline ace. They don't, you know, they don't have a Max Scherzer, yeah. Grom, um, but they have a lot of guys who were solid twos and threes who, who have been insanely effective and really good for them over the last month um, and really pitched their style just because the Cardinals are a team that tries to get the ball on the ground. They rely on their defense. I mean, then obviously you saw that last year, they had uh, five gold glovers, one where the, I think the first team to get the, to get a team gold glove award. Um, so, I mean, there's still solid defenders around the field. Um, yeah, and they, they've pitched well in, in the organization and kind of with that strategy. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you look at you, you look at the team on paper and you might not say, like, well, I mean, this lineup doesn't compare to Atlanta. This lineup doesn't compare to Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's a team that has stepped up when the moments needed it, and they've had players who have stepped up. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because it, it just – I remember hearing – I think when they clinched, they had a video of Albert Pujols on Twitter saying like, oh, this is just the beginning. Like, we're not done yet. You know, we're just getting started or something like that. And I was like, you know, you mix that with just that whole, you know, it being Yachty's last year, it being Pujols' last year, and then the possibility of Wayno's last year. Like, just that, you know, like you said, it almost feels storybook to say that they, you know, that why not them, right? Or why not them? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that literally, like, why, I mean... There's no, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like people say, like, if you took, if you tried to pitch this story, this movie to some production studio, they'd say, like, that's too corny. Like, how, how yeah. can you end it like that? Like, nobody's going to believe it. But I mean, it's had the makings of that. So, I mean, uh, I, I think a big part of it will be how their lineup, if their lineup shows up. I mean, that, that was over the last couple of weeks, it's been very inconsistent. So, I mean, there's going to be a need for that, especially. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And who do you kind of expect to see making it to this world series this year? Cause it's like a lot of things can happen, but who do you see? Man, I know I could, ima- I would imagine major league baseball has wanted this for the longest time. Um, but I, I would not be surprised if we get a Yankees, Yankees Dodgers world series. I know a lot of people might cringe and might be like, Oh, like really like those two teams. But I mean, well, you, you've seen the year that Aaron judges had, um, it's been amazing. I mean, it's been insane. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a possibility of that. And, and it's another one of those things where like, they've kind of been, the Yankees have had an inconsistencies over the last couple of years, but they have guys who are really good. I mean, guys who on paper, who you look at as like top caliber talent. I mean, Nestor Cortez, nasty Nestor has been really good this year as a starter. 
Um, Garrett Cole, you know, who's struggled a little bit, but I mean, it's still, it's Garrett Cole. He still had, I mean, still Garrett Cole. I mean, one of the uh, top pitchers in baseball over the last couple of years. Um, but I mean, same time, I would not be surprised if we get, you know, that 2017 World Series rematch, the one that a lot of people have been waiting for if we see Astros, yeah, Dodgers again. Um, and I mean, we might see Astro. I mean, who knows? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of talent across the field. Uh, when you look at the postseason rosters, um, you never know who can catch fire. I mean, who knows? We might be talking about uh, a Seattle, Philadelphia World Series. I mean, just because it's the playoffs. I mean, anything can happen. Yeah, I think it'd be kind of I think it would be poetic if we ended up with like a Cardinals Mariners World Series. You know, two teams that like Mariners playoff drought finally broken Cardinals, this longstanding dynasty of success. I think, I just think it would be fitting. I, that, that would, that would kind of be like my, my sort of fun world series pick. Um, I mean, you know, we might see Padres mayor, two teams have never gotten it done in the world series. I mean, Mariners have never been to the world series, but it's like two playoff starved franchises battling it out. I mean, you never know what can happen. I mean, yeah. it's, it's October. Yeah. Uh, this is the best part. Best part of baseball is just October playoff season. I think my pick for the World Series would not surprise me. I would say Braves and Astros with Atlanta repeating. It would not surprise me to see that. I mean, I mean, Houston's had a phenomenal year. Atlanta's looked really solid. They've really started ramping it up of late. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the Dodgers, I think they've been one of the most premier primetime teams in all of baseball, especially, you know, when they 100 plus wins or whatever. And... But the thing is, is that, like you said, like the Dodgers have had a lot of inconsistencies when it comes to the playoffs and, and we've had that, you know, come to fruition in the past. And um, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Dodgers kind of fade out in the NLCS or, or even in a divisional round, depending on who they play. But I would expect to see the Astros and the Braves, maybe with Atlanta repeating again, um, wouldn't yeah, surprise I, me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see Atlanta get there and, um, but I mean, like I said, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if St. Louis got there. I mean, cause I mean, even, I mean, even, I mean, I know we talked about you know, like inconsistencies throughout the lineup, but I mean, even when you look at how well they've played after the all-star break, um, in a sense they've, so at the, at the same time, like they've played up to their competition and have played down to it. I mean, they've looked bad against Cincinnati, but they've also looked good against Atlanta. Um, they swept the Yankees here at Bush Stadium in August. I mean, so they've played, they've showed that they can be, you know, that World Series caliber team. Obviously, obviously they're a playoff caliber division winning team. Um, I mean, it just all depends who shows up and who doesn't when the lights get the brightest. Yeah, certainly. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So now before I wrap this up, I wanted to ask you a few fun questions here. If, cool. I'll, I'll try to have some fun answers. <laughs> if you were to have any other job outside of journalism, what would it be and why? Man, I mean, I don't know just because I'll have to take a minute to think about it just because I've never wanted to do anything other than baseball reporting. Um, so, I mean, it feels like a dream. I feel lucky and, um, I don't know if, I mean, I, I, I hope, I mean, like you said, you read that Charlie Morton, I mean, not Charlie Morton, but like that Cardinal story with Charlie Morton, Ron Lacuna, Nelson Cruz, like a bunch of other players from around the league on Albert Pools and Yachty. Um, but the way Charlie Morton played, he's like, I, he's like, 
when he was a rookie, he was just trying to survive in the league. And I feel like that, like I'm just trying to survive in journal, like in baseball reporting, yeah. just because, you know, I, I hope to do this as long as I can. Um, but when it comes to something outside of journalism that I would do, does it have to be realistic or can it be like, Oh, well, anything I mean, really. If there was a way to give back, if there was a, a job that I could do that kind of gives back to my community, I mean, back home, um, and just kind of help people and just kind of, I'm not, I'm not sure which, cause it's like, I've never like been somebody who's like a leader or somebody who's like the most vocal, but if there was a role that I can help to kind of bridge the gap between, um, like Spanish speaking communities and just kind of, uh, some of the difficulties they face. I mean, there's something mm-hmm. that there that I would definitely do just cause I feel like there's as people, like we should obviously give back and help people as much as we can. Um, and if there was a way to, to kind of help bridge the gaps and like the inequalities there, I mean, there's something that I definitely would like to do. I mean, if it was outside of journalism, like I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not like a, any type of leader or anybody who who's ever been in that like that type of person. But if there was ever a role to do that, to kind of help build up the community, I mean, there's mm-hmm. something that I would do definitely. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I would, and I always tell people this, I was like, I, if, if I were to not have a job in journalism, I for sure would want to be a basketball coach because um, I could just see my, I could see myself coaching when I was a kid. That was what I kind of wanted to do outside of uh, outside of journalism was, was to either was to be a basketball coach. So I could kind of see myself. So that's what my job would be was, would be, would be to be a, a basketball coach or a coach somewhere. I don't, I don't know what sport, I don't think it would matter, but, um, that's what I would be, would be a, a coach. You gotta start taking lessons from you then. I mean, yeah. like, my three point shot is terrible. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know if I could fix, I don't know if I could fix like jump shooting, but I mean, um, but yeah, I would be a coach. Um, and now if you were to have a job in journalism outside of the job that you have now, what would it be and why? Do I have to answer that? I mean, like, I mean, I mean, like I said, there's literally nothing yeah. else that I'd rather be doing. Yeah. I, that was a question I had to kind of answer. Like I asked myself, mm-hmm. um, that I had to figure out, like, is this like, is doing what I'm doing now or in a similar role covering baseball, um, whatever it may be at whatever level, I mean, same thing, you know, like, do I want to cover baseball? I'm like, yeah, it was a no brainer. Yeah. Like, like there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. Um, but outside of this in, in journalism, man, there's not, there's not really anything that, that is always, and it's no disrespect to anybody who does yeah. other, other stuff in journalism. I mean, there's just nothing else that has really been like insanely appealing to me. Um, well, I mean, I guess like in that same sense, what I said earlier about kind of helping like, giving back to the community. Um, I do think there's an insanely huge value with local reporting and reporting within your community, like stuff like what Andrea Lopez Villafania does. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what other talented reporters do, especially with Spanish speaking communities. I think um, um, if there was something ever there, I mean, uh, like there's not really another sport that I want to cover. There's not really any other role. Like I've never, like I, it's not like I want to be like an on-air reporter or radio yeah. host or, or producer. Um, but I mean, if there was ever a way to 
highlight the Spanish-speaking communities that you know we've grown up in and live in, um, and you know, be a voice for them. Um, yeah, that's something that definitely has always, like I said, has always been important to me. It's something I've never felt like I I could live up to the task of just because um, they're obviously, you know, people way more talented, way more, uh, way better than me. But I mean, people who do who who serve them right, and that's something that you know. Outside of baseball reporting, I'd say that. Yeah. I think for me, I, I would either be um, a basketball or a, um, maybe maybe even a, a women's soccer reporter or something like that. I would. That'd be cool. Because those are, those are the two of the sports like I really, I really love doing. And I even love doing it with, when I was at the DA. And, um, you know, if I ever had the chance to, I would, I would get those. And of course, but I, I love the job that I do now. I mean, because mm-hmm. I just get all the, you get at least in my sense, like as a producer, you get all the control over how you, how you make this show happen. And, and like you said, I feel like even, even though our positions are different with you being a baseball writer and me being a producer, there's sort of similarities in, in principles in that you get the creative oh, yeah. liberty to do what you want. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, what's great about, especially the, the role that I've been in and, the editors that I work with and just the paper in general, it's, it's not like you're limited. It's not like they tell me like, Hey, uh, you can't do, you can't do Cardinal stuff. I mean, you're only the, you're a minor league guy, like do that. Um, like I've been told like, Hey, like any stories you want to write, any stories you think would be good for the web or the paper, um, you know, that's not on the minor league side and you want to pitch something like go for it. I mean, do it. Um, so I mean, yeah, like it, there's, there's a lot of freedom for creativity, um, and then even when it's like writing, it's not like, like they say, Hey, um, like, why are you writing about this topic? I mean, if it's something that, you know, readers are, would think are important or readers would find interesting, um, like go for it. I mean, if there's like a, if you want to get funky with your lead and kind of do something there, I mean, it's not like I've, I've been put like in a box or have been, have been limited in what I can do. Um, same thing with like our long, long, like the big projects that we have, like that Pujols Molina special issue. Um, that a lot of our you know reporters can um, lead. Uh, it's not like you're, yeah. I mean, it's it's not like you're you're limited in what you can do. So I mean, I, I definitely see that aspect of it. I mean, like you said, I mean, you're you're in charge of the show. You there's something that you like, something that you see, the way you want to approach it. I mean, it's all you. I mean, literally, yeah, it's all you. Yeah, exactly. Now, before we close things out any final words that you'd like to tell the listeners, any last bits of advice, anything like that? Um, I've never had one for advice. I mean, like I said, I, I've always been one who's trying to take as much advice as I can, just cause, um, I feel so new to this and I feel like there's a lot to learn, but, um, I will say, I mean, if there's somebody listening who doesn't know what they want to do in journalism and maybe even in life, or maybe they're listening to this as they're, sitting on campus at SDSU wondering if they should join the daily Aztec or change out of the journalism major or do whatever it is. I would say just branch out and explore different things. Um, There's no harm in not liking what you do or liking what you're doing at the time, at the moment. Um, Because we've all, I mean, I've been in this stage, nobody else, I mean, Everybody, I mean, everybody has, I feel like at some point, um, been at a point in life where they're still just trying to figure things out. I mean, I'm still trying to figure things out. 
um, here, I mean, moving to the Midwest or just with this new job, I mean, there's a lot of questions you ask, you know, what, you know, if what you're doing is the right thing, if you belong, if, um, if you're doing good enough, if, you know, this was the right move, if you should have done something else. But I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I think you just got to explore different things and try out different things in order to, to find that answer. Um, I feel lucky that I've answered some of those questions of, you know, what I want to do. And, um, if I've, you know, if I've made the right choices, I mean, obviously there's choices that I regret choices that I wish I would have done better things, stories that I would have written better stories that I wouldn't have been more on top of. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, the, the only way that I figured out that I wanted to do baseball reporting is by getting more involved um, with the things around me. Um, like I said, I mean, I knew I wanted to do something with baseball. Uh, I didn't know how I could do it, but the way I found it was through sports reporting at, at the community college level. And then at the, for your university level, I mean, covering college sports at both places. Um, and I mean, I'll be honest, like, I feel lucky that I found, I feel lucky to be in the position that I'm in. And I feel lucky that I found the right fit for me. Just because, I mean, I obviously, we know that, I mean, there are people who wrote for the DA, but I mean, um, they the same thing. They're still trying to figure out life and maybe journalism wasn't uh, the thing that they really felt passionate about and felt like they wanted to do. Um, and that's, Great, because obviously they now know something that they didn't know before they got involved. And I think finding out who we are, finding out what we want to do is a very important aspect of not just professional life, but our personal lives. Just because you want to do something that when you look back years from now. So like I kind of like mentioned, you know, Rick Humble as, a, as yeah. an example. I mean, he's going to look I me. Mean, I don't know what goes on through his mind. I mean, I assume it's a lot of thoughts about baseball and a lot of thoughts about just People, I mean, he's a really super kind person. Um, but I mean, it's not like you see any regret of like, man, I can't believe I spent 51 years inside a press box yeah. baseball. It's like, yeah. man, like I got to spend that. And um, and I feel lucky and thankful that I've been here for one year. Um, so, I mean, and the only way that I got to this point is by trying out different things and figuring out what's going to work for me. And um, if you're in that stage where you're not sure what you want to do with life, I mean, sometimes you just, you just got to take the leap. I mean, you don't know where you're going to land, but you know, taking the leaps, the biggest part. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I would just say it's uh, of course, take chances. Don't be afraid to ask questions. That's the biggest thing. I, sometimes I feel like I didn't ask enough questions, even though I'm, I'm at where I'm at now. Um, and make sure that you make your intentions known to people that are in the field, because it's like, you never know what connections people have with certain people and they can get you places. If I would not have, you know, known Jerry McCormick in, in my journalism class, he wouldn't have got me that, that connection to Greg Dawson at NBC and all mm -hmm. these other people. Um, and so I feel like just again, making sure to ask questions, making your intentions known to people about what you want to do in journalism. And of course, like enjoy those little moments because you never know where those might take you. Right. Like I never oh, knew yeah. that this plane crash story would end up turning into an Emmy nomination end up with me going to the ceremony and winning. Like you never know where these things take you. And of course it's to enjoy every moment. I mean, at the oh, Emmys, definitely. like you have to, you know, you're soaking, soak it in because it's like, you never know when they may happen again. And, and every day is a treasure and, I would just say treasure every moment that you have in this business because it's, it's, um, you know, 
no two days are ever the same. And so I would say that, and, and of course, reach out to people for help. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, especially like people when you're in college, I mean, Jerry McCormick is, you know, we talked about Match McCormick, the GOAT, one of the best professors out there. I mean, best humans out there in general. Um, same thing helped me get that season internship with MLB.com. And then everybody that I met there helped me get to here. And um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of steps along the way. I mean, the path might not be a straight one, can be a winding one, could be one that start and stop. I mean, it, no, no two paths are the same. So um, definitely, like you said, um, enjoy every moment. I mean, just be, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, just enjoy every moment. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to put it. Yeah. Exactly. Listeners, you can follow Daniel on Twitter at the Dan Guerrero. He's verified, by the way. He's verified. I think he's the only DA person out of the whole group that's verified. Might maybe a couple other people, but you're verified. Ver, ver, look, ver, uh, I'll say this, my two cents on verification. <laughs> Twitter is not a real place. Um, Twitter <laughs> is a very important aspect of what we do. Um, sorry, I, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Yeah. Just, yeah. Because I mean, we can get caught up in the Twitter game of fastest fingers in the West or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's important obviously, but, um, uh, check marks or not. I mean, who, nobody really cares about that. Yeah. I'll be honest. I don't care. I mean, I, it helps obviously professionally. Um, I only got it cause the MLB social media team helped me before my internship ended. Um, cause obviously it's a people on Twitter look at you like, Oh, this guy's like legit, not just some yeah. blogger. But I mean, yeah. bloggers are legit too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Some they're professional. They're uh, Ryan DeVish who covers the Mariners for the Seattle times and is one of the best baseball writers also in the country. Doesn't have a Twitter verification. I mean, it, yeah. it's just one yeah. of those things, but th yeah. I know there are, there are other people who do Charlie Vargas. I remember seeing, uh, who's working for a SoCal news group has, has that. I mean, Brendan, yeah. I think Brendan has it. I saw him pop up on my timeline yeah. today. Uh, Tristy, I think has it Jocelyn, um, I mean, I keep up with what everybody's doing. So, I mean, but it doesn't check mark or not. It doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. as long as you're doing good, you're doing good. Yeah. Yeah. You can follow him on Twitter at the Dan Guerrero. Daniel, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for the uh, invite. Thanks for listening to my conversation with St. Louis Post-Dispatch writer, Daniel Guerrero. Stay tuned next week as more episodes will be out very soon. Have a great day, everyone.